Hello, welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Today, it is God's will at this exact moment in time that you are listening to this podcast. Everything has happened in your past, up to the present, intertwining with your future, that right now, at this very moment, at this very second, God willed it for you to be listening to this podcast. It is His design. It is his will that you hear it. And here you are. You have intertwined with the will of God. And we are here to continue to unfold God's providential plan for your life on this day of Shepherd the Sheep. All right, yeah, we we are back. Wow, we don't we don't normally get in studio two weeks in a row. I know, I know, huh? Well, must have been God's will. It, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. By the way, we are not intentionally mocking the will of God. No, no, I don't think so. But um, there was a there may have been a little bit of hyperbole today in my introduction. Yeah, it sounded familiar. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was there's a Kevin the Young book on just do something, which he wrote on God's will. And the funny part is, it's like you can read it in forty five minutes. Mm. Like I like how you say that with all the books that you tell us to read. <laughs> yeah, well, some be, persons listening is like, uh, no. Yeah, well, to be fair, while you were making coffee, I perused through the whole book again mm-hmm. in about twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but I love the way he opens that book. Um, because he, he does open it in a, in a very, um, unique way. And, uh, yeah, he, um, was it in his preface, um, preface or introduction? Uh, oh, you know what? There's a second copy of the book, so he may have taken it up. He may have taken it out in the in the in one of them in the introduction. I think in the original that was um, um, so they they did an update. But basically, the opening paragraph was like, "It is God's will right now at this moment that you have picked this book up." And so, um, yeah, so uh, yeah, he changed the introduction in in the copy. That you know he what? Used. I think I read that in- introduction. I don't know if it was in that book though. Yeah, I so when I worked in the bookstore and people would buy it, yeah. I would say to them like, "It is God's will today that uh-huh. you're buying this book." <laughs> okay, and it's funny because some people would be like, "Are you quoting the introduction?" I'd be like, "Yes, I am," and they're like, "Okay, <laughs> I thought I just read that." And other people would be like, "Really?" And I was like, "Have you read the introduction?" No, and I was like, "Read read the first paragraph," and they would read the first paragraph. And go, "Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you." Uh, okay, yeah, but you know what? To be fair, um, Kevin DeYoung. Even though is a little hyperbole, he's he's not far from striking the chord of the way a lot of people think about God's will. Right. 
so you know as 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 much as I kind of chuckle and we kind of chuckle a little bit um and and we weren't doing that to hopefully you as a listener don't feel like we were trying to indict you or anything um uh because i i I mean I think at one point in my life, I kind of had that thought too, mm-hmm. like you go to the store and something crazy happens, you're like, whoa, it was God's will that. And went to the store today and like that that happened and and you are like providentially like god does put some things in your life that that you know kind of got to deal with and yeah. sometimes they're cool sometimes they're fun sometimes there's crazy things that god lets you in on that you realize wow there's more working behind the scenes and um you know you go wow that was really amazing and and you know you're like you know, and other times you don't get to see behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, any situation you're in at the moment, it is God's will, right? Because you're in it. <laughs> it's, right. it's it's almost like, um, yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing. Like, theologically, there's twofold. Is it is providence? This is why it's good to distinguish between providence and will. Because you may providentially be experiencing something. And it not be God's will. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, right. I mean, so, and then that's what makes the, the, that's why I would encourage anyone who's listening um, to kind of make some distinctions in your head of what is God's revealed will. And then what, what is providentially going on because they're not always coordinating. Correct. Yeah. Even, you know, people read Genesis and they assume that everything that, um, Adam, Noah, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph did was holy and good and right and true. Mm. Um, and even Kevin DeYoung in his book about Gideon points out when Gideon's asking for a fleece to determine God's will that, that not everything Gideon does is actually holy and good and right. Mm-hmm. And that in in a way, it took me a while to realize that, that when you read scripture, you need to realize that sometimes... Uh, God is exposing us to their sinful thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but in spite of their sinfulness, God, God, in His grace, like still communicates with them. Yeah, using sometimes even using the wrong thinking, thinking to reveal His will or His His ways. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, we can't lay out a fleece today. No. Well, <laughs> so, no, we have too much scripture. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, I, I don't know. I I know. I I read scripture early on, and you just assumed everything these heroes did was good. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of scratch your head and go, "Well, why did why did God tell us about Noah's drunkenness, um, or Moses's rebellion?" Hopefully, these aren't spoiler alerts for anybody. <laughs> right. like, you spoiled. I the, didn't get the, there yet. The, like, yeah, uh, you spoiled the the narrative. Um, uh, you know, Aaron in the temple. Uh, he certainly. His sins are exposed with the golden calf. Mm-hmm. Um, David, Samuel, Solomon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and there's a point to all that, but um, you know, I think it's good to realize that uh, that you're not always, you know, not every decision Joseph makes was good. Mm-hmm. Joseph was kind of a brat. Mm. In the beginning, right? Yeah, kind of. Well, it's weird because we don't really also we we don't know his intentions, but they were they were read in a specific way. Yeah, but but with his brothers, you mm-hmm. get the sense that 
um, right? That that one that his dad probably fa- his dad favored him and Benjamin, mm-hmm. um, and that probably created a little bit of family angst. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that like Joseph Joseph doesn't make that easy, you know. Hey, hear about my dream, mm-hmm. you know, and listen to what you know. And so you you got to imagine that the ten brothers are just worn out from Joseph and here's the favorite son. And now look, now he's like, like he's not very loving to have told him that to be fair, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, he's young, immature. He is young, immature. Yeah. He did not ask, is it God's will that I rebuild this today? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, all right, well, that's why we're here. We're here to talk about God's will. Yep. And I think when we're, I think, Usually, when people think about God's will, they're they're wanting to know uh, on a very practical, everyday decision making basis, like what is God's will, right? I think so. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, some people are asking what God's will is without saying, "I want to know what God's will is." Mm-hmm. How so? Um, well, I mean, it, it it manifests itself in different in different expressions. Um, you know, you'll have the, um, I felt, I feel led to go do this. Oh yes. You know, um, you know, somebody wakes up one day and all of a sudden, like, I feel led to go do this. Uh, like right now I feel led to take all of these plants in our house and excommunicate them to the back porch. (laughs) Why? Because they're, they're 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 green. They provide oxygen. Yeah. Well, the trees are fake. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and we now have three of them. Um, but it's gnat season, and every and I've been told every plant person knows this. It's right. gnat season for the plants. Mm-hmm. So I get tired of sitting there with gnats in my eyes, like, right? Like hovering around. They don't land on me, and when they do land, they're easy to kill. But it's like, oh, uh, so. I feel led to go take all of those plants out back Mm -hmm. and just, they can, if they make it through the winter, praise God. And if they don't, (laughs) then it was God's will. They die. Right. Ooh, this just became a good example for the entire discussion. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's, that's how it goes. A lot of people don't realize that when I use an illustration, it it's shot from the hip. Like Mm -hmm. I rarely sit down and write an illustration, not even in sermons. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I pop one, it's like, it's from the hip. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. That's just how I roll. Um, so, yeah, but, but there are some people, to be fair, like I, I think people that know us know I'm not going to go take all my wife's plants out back. Right. Um, but but it is, it is, there are some people who might, or I don't want to say might, who seem to give the impression that that the fact that they have strong emotions and then while well, I prayed about it and I'm at peace, so I took the plants out back because one, I had a, I, my, my thoughts were peaceful Two, um, the impression came into my mind that maybe I should take the plants out back and three, that would ease the burden of the gnats. So, right. Like that was God's will that I do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as, as hyperbolic as the example is because everyone who knows me, knows I'm not going to take them out back. They know I'm just going to deal with the gnats. Um, it does serve as a good example that, that many times this, this is 
from what we can tell, the thinking process of, of many people in ter- determining God's will. Mm-hmm. And so when we're asking the question, we're, we're kind of asking the question like, how do I know I'm making the right decision? And um, it's interesting to me because I posed this question to uh, to a group of uh, to a couple different groups in Cornerstone, and I said, "Why do people think their emotions or lack of conflicting feelings or thoughts validate what they think God is telling them to do?" So, right, uh, it has it is um, definitely an experience that we have had where many people will say, I think God is telling me to do this. And my validation is one, either my feelings or two, that I feel peaceful in my heart about the decision. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's no anxiety or angst. And so the lack of anxiety means that, that right, that God wants me to go do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, they prayed about it. And I, I think that's usually the formula is I'll pray about it and see how I feel after I pray about it. Yes. Uh, that usually, that's usually what follows. And if there's a peace after praying, then that's the determination whether or not, you know, yeah. they make a decision. Yeah. But is that correct? Uh, yeah. No. You, right. Because. um, Right. That's a good question. Is it correct? What's the problem with with peace in your heart being the determining factor? Well, it, what in, what informs that peace? Uh, yeah, see, to me that's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because if there's no information behind it, um, then that peace, was that just generated from purely emotion? Um, you know? Was it peace because you just prayed, and after you prayed, you felt like the prayer served as some kind of, you know, box that you checked with God, and now you're good, now I can go do it, which is a lot of times what happens. Like, I checked the prayer box, I'm good, so I think I'm good to do this. And if, if, it's, if it's not God's will, he'll stop me. That's another follow-up thing that, that people just, they roll with a decision, and they're thinking God's going to intervene and just stop the process at some point, which he may or he may not, but right. that doesn't determine whether it's a good decision or not. Right. Yeah. I think there's, you're bringing up a couple multiple points, right? Because it, right. What, what is your decision based on? Mm-hmm. If it's based on your feelings, what's the problem with basing it on your feelings? Well, yeah, the, pro- the problem is those feelings. Um, I mean, feelings are finicky yes um, they're all over the place and they you know hopefully they're grounded in something and if they're not then you're really being led by you know a blind person basically at that yeah. point yeah i mean like right let's say you grow up and every saturday morning you get pancakes mm-hmm. oh yummy and um you get married and you know you and your spouse are, are living and it's Saturday morning and you go to make pancakes and there's no pancakes in the house. Sad. And you're like, I know sad day. <laughs> so sad. And you're like, okay, well I got, I got to go to the store and get some stuff to make pancakes. Um, you know, and you're like, okay, Lord, I, you know, I'm going to do this. And 
you know, it feels right. I feel at peace about this. So you go to the store and you buy your pancake mix, but you overdraft your account. Mm. And now you're paying $40 in overdraft fee for that pancakes. Oh, that's horrible. Right. But you felt at peace about it. Right. And again, like, because in your mind, the criteria of having pancakes on Saturday is what you do. You know, now your spouse is upset that your account's overdrawn because you're, you're young, poor, married people. Mm-hmm. And right. So your piece about it was actually an unwise decision. Right. And it's really more than just about the pancakes, right? It's, it's about yeah, like re like trying to redo that, like trying to recreate that feeling of Saturday and the, uh, the feeling of this, you know, it, it pancakes belong in Saturday and therefore it's worth doing what I need to do to make that happen regardless of the consequences. Right. Yeah. So, but it felt right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the problem is what, what information is informing your feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, right. No, nobody would walk up to you and say, Hey, it's wrong to want pancakes on Saturday. Uh, I mean, there might be some, some proteinaholic out there that says that's too much carbs. <laughs> but um, for the most part, right, no, nobody's going to walk up to you and say that's, that's like a nefarious thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's probably a part of this discussion too is when we're thinking about God's will, when we're thinking about the decisions we make, it is probably fair for us to realize that I would say 90% of the time, especially with Christians, you are not talking about nefariously evil decisions right right that that normally that's not in the circumference of people's thoughts now that's not to say that people aren't prone to selfishness and pride but 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 in general right we're not talking about like when i when i contemplated going to seminary right is it god's will that i go to seminary well that's not an evil Right? Do I go to do I go back to graduate school and pursue structural engineering, or do I go to seminary, and and pursue that? Mm-hmm. You know, and both of those are actually worthwhile decisions to be thought through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I do want to read something Kevin DeYoung in this book just do something uh, said, and I think it's really good. Um. You know, how does God? guide us uh, it is interesting um, that he, he first says don't expect the unexpected which I think even just realizing that that's a problem is helpful mm-hmm. because um, yeah God does tell us what his will is and he does tell us what he thinks and so at some level I can say God's will for my life is to walk in a sanctified way that represents his nature. So the idea that I'm justified in belittling this person to who just belittled me, right? Well, the cashier was rude to me, so I was rude back. You know, well, no, like, it wasn't God's will that because of the encounter, you could just throw righteous living out the window. 
Mm-hmm. Right. No, it, it was God's will. So the expected, the things that God talks about and expects are always there. But, but this is interesting because he, um, Kevin says this thing. He says, Christians often speak of an open door from the Lord, meaning God has given me this great opportunity. Conversely, when things don't seem to be going our way, we talk of God closing a door. And, and you and I have probably heard this. Right, like, okay, well, God's opening the door, God's closing the door. I mean, I prayed that. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've said that. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I'll still say that. Yeah, yeah, and and I even even real quick commentary. I, I've learned too that sometimes there are open doors, and it's God's will, and and I think it's it's God's will that you not take that open door. Just because yeah. an opportunity is there doesn't mean it's God's will. Yep, and that's, and a, we'll, that's a huge one, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but. Kevin goes on to say, this sort of thinking can be good if we see the open door as an opportunity to do something we already know is good, like sharing the gospel with a neighbor or taking a job to feed your family, even though it's not the work you've always wanted. Likewise, if an open door simply means there's one more spot in the study abroad program and I think I'll take it, that's fine too. In such cases, we speak of open doors. We are merely referring to opportunities God has given us to do, uh, the good things we already wanted to do. And I, I would add that, that, that what I think the where Kevin and I agree, but our language would be different is I would say, I know it's God's will that I be faithful to my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So when God, op- when God's opening the door to take a better job that provides better for the family, like that's a good opportunity that meets a responsibility, you know, but on the flip side, you know, just because a church friend says, Hey, if you'll come work with us at this church and we can pay you more, that doesn't mean that that's a door and opportunity I should take, even though it meets, you know, you can look down and be like, Hey, it meets six faithful responsibilities you have, right? That's not a good, that's, that doesn't mean it's God's will that I go over there. So, um, Kevin goes on to say, but there are foolish ways to use this open door theology. Christians are sometimes guilty of using the absence of an open door as an excuse for laziness. And we've seen that all the time. Well, I put my resume on blah, blah, blah. And nobody's called. Well, yeah, your job when you don't have a job is to go work to get a job. So the whole idea of like, you know, or, well, you know, I, t- I told my spouse that, um, you know, that, that if he didn't stop checking out pornography, I was going to leave. And, you know, I mean that like God didn't open that door. So, you know, I just left. Um, yeah, in fact, Kevin says this. Christians often use open-door theology to bless whatever bad idea they've already decided to do. I know my marriage is in shambles and my wife wants me around more so we can work things out, but God has opened a door for me to get a big promotion. Hmm. So, like God's written word says, you, you, your marriage is important. So to be like, well, I mean, but, but God opened a door. Like God's not opening a door that then turn, requires you to sin very blatantly in another way. How does that promotion um, uh, mess up the, the equation here? I missed it. Yeah, so he, he Kevin is saying um, sometimes Christians will use the open-door theology to bless a bad idea they've already decided on. Oh, okay. So the situation is, I know my marriage is in shambles and my wife wants me around more so we can work on our marriage. However, God opened a door for, for a promotion that will require me to travel 30 weeks a year Oh, okay, I'll get and be away from my wife. Yeah. So yeah, okay. it's like, 
The promotion, so, the promotion restricts him from doing what he's called to do, which is work on the marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, okay. well, but see, God opened this door. Right, right. Yeah, no, no, God did not. Yeah, may, maybe that door opened, mm-hmm. but God didn't know. God did not, just because that door and opportunity is there doesn't mean that it's God's will. Gotcha. Yes. Um, and he goes, he goes on to say, here's the bottom line. If God opens the door for you to do something you know is good or necessary, be thankful for the opportunity. But other than that, don't assume that the relative ease or difficulty of a new situation is God's way of telling you to do one thing or the other. Mm. And that, mm-hmm. that's it too, right? How many times have you seen somebody say, well, it must be God's will because this is the easy road. Right. And it's like, uh, and so Kevin actually says something. Remember, God's will for your life is your sanctification, and God tends to use discomfort and trials more than comfort and ease to make us holy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, Absolutely. There's a great line in um, one of the Simpsons episodes, which, by the way, are to, to some of the best satire ever. Um, but Homer says, hey... I think I know a shortcut to get to get over somewhere. So he turns and starts going through this road. <laughs> I'm already laughing. I don't know why. <laughs> he, he's going through. Um, he's going through a field, and the car's bouncing. And and the and they show the picture, and everybody uh, in the family's like bouncing. They're bouncing off the car seat, like their heads are being like you know, like it like it looks like a it looks like a, a roller coaster over, um, you know, down a rapids, down a rapids river, right. And at some point, Bart goes, Dad, I, this doesn't seem like a shortcut because it's not easy. <laughs> and Homer's like, well, if it were easy, it would be the way. <laughs> if it were easy, it would be the way. Uh, and it, like you hear it and you kind of chuckle and you go, you know what, though? That's actually a very <laughs> profound. That's actually a very profound statement. If it were easy, it would be the way. And And that's the reality is, Right, you can't go to scripture. There's not a scripture in there that's like, "Hey, here, here's a, here's a here's a way to determine the wise action. It's easy." Yep. And that that's right. It's easy. There's there's in fact there's no scripture. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's, I would argue that that it's zero scripture telling us it's easy, and that you would, it would be weighted zero to a million, and and the other side of that is actually. There's, there's more scripture warning us that it's not easy, Yep, that it's hard, um, that, that though we can rest in Christ, you are going to face persecution. You are going to face trials. You are going to face hardship. You are going to face people not liking the fact that you're a believer. Like you're going to face a hundred, you're going to face problems in this world. Your family may not like that you're a Christian. So you know what I mean? Like, I, would, I would actually argue you can't grow without trials. It's like almost yeah. impossible. I, I just had that thought the other day. I'm like, who who grows without trials? I well, mean, just the yeah. thought of just the thought of school, like learning is painful. Yeah, okay. In that way, yes. Because you know what I mean? at one of the Bible studies, there was kind of an idea that, that trials are prior or that's the primary way that God teaches you. And I kind of pushed back on that a bit. Like, no, you you can learn through trials. Mm-hmm. But but we can learn a lot outside of the trials. Mm-hmm. So that when the trial hits, we can walk through the trial in a better way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think yeah. we disagree. Yeah, yeah. Because you're right. It, it you do got to put in the work and the labor, and yeah. that's not always easy. Well, because yeah, it's it's almost like the atheist that wants to believe that says he 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 would 
he would believe in God, but only if it were uh, easier, you know? Well, why does, why does God make it so hard? Well, it's that is an interesting question. Um, like faith in God, I mean, faith alone, right, is 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 not an easy thing. Um, easy oh, in a yeah. sense that, like, you know. Anyway, the, this distracting from the, the idea is that, like, anything that is, uh, I guess, Homer Simpson's quote wraps it, wraps it up pretty yeah. pretty well. It were easy. Yeah, it'd, be it'd, the way. it'd be the way. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's never. But that's that's the reality, though. Is you have a lot of a lot of people confuse the fact that an opportunity is there as God wanting you to have that opportunity. And, and that's a problem. And, you know, so where, where do young goes next in his book is flee the fleas. And he, he just reminds us of Gideon, you know, inspired by Gideon to lay out a metaphorical fleece before God, you know, that sometimes you're facing an inconsequential decision. You're like, okay, Lord, if you want me to ask that girl on a date, then make it snow tonight. And then you wake up in the next day and there's no snow and you're like, eh, okay, I'm not going to ask you on a date. Well, like there's that, that kind of thinking is a problem in and of itself. Um, and it's, it's a problem because right. God's will is pretty clear. If she's a believer and you want to ask her out for coffee, go ask her out for coffee. Like, is she single? If she's not, then don't, then leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Right. If she's married, leave her alone. If she's single loves the Lord, go ask her out. Right. You know, now there's some other variables there too, but we'll get to that here in a minute. But you, but just for this purpose, I just want to like, you know what I mean? Like you don't like, there's actually nowhere in scripture that says, Hey, before you make a decision, ask, you know, ask God for some kind of like, yeah, give me tester. a sign. Yeah. yeah give, me a sign. And, <laughs> give me a sign. And to be fair, the reality is I th- actually think that God has already given us the fleece. Mm-hmm. He's, he's actually already, uh, what we're going to talk about is he's already provided a helpful way to determine if it is God's will to do something. We were, we were talking about this. I don't even think to be fair. I don't even think like this anymore. This is like, this is like me having to relive my early twenties. Like this whole, is it God's will to do this or not? Right. Like, is this like, and, and I think that's probably even maybe indicative that, that this kind of thinking comes with, with just an immaturity. Yeah. I I think immaturity, there's always a simplistic view of the world, but that that's correlated with immaturity. Yeah. So, right, the, the simplistic view when I was younger was, I wonder what God wants me to do right yeah. now. Whereas today we're asking the question, what does it look like to be holy? You know, uh, and, and then holiness is not just this idea of, you know, stop doing sin. It's more like, okay, yeah. holiness is what does it look like to be like Christ in this situation, to worship him, to pursue him, to love him, um, and to serve other people. And that's a that's a much busier, that's a just much more broad idea concept versus like, okay, uh, should I not do this? Or should I do this? I mean, if you're, you know, one sign is if you ask the girl out and she says, no, that's probably a sign. <laughs> yeah. It's a good sign. Yeah. For now. Yeah. For now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but right. Like the immature um, mind and we all are immature at some point because we all grow and we all learn. 
is is there's a simplistic view of the world i think and you, there's there's less nuance that's why people don't like that word but that's the truth yeah um yeah it is it is interesting too right when i'm young in my mind i want to go out and make a difference in the world you know and some of us are prone to like i want to change the world and i want to like revolutionize and and you look out and you see some problems in the world and you're like oh like i've got this idealistic pie in the sky way that we could solve the world's problems you know and so you become this big this big dreamer mm. and then the funny part is the longer i walk with the lord the the more i realize actually godliness is boring mm. mm-hmm. because it's not right like god god is saying look Love your kids, love your wife, love your church, love your coworkers, be faithful. Yep. And and trust God. To, like God is the one that changes the and world. And stand firm in that. Yeah, stand firm in that. Because I, I think that's a difference, right? Because someone who, who who does that robustly versus someone who just kind of flakily does that, right? So that there's a guy who has big dreams but can't take care of his family. Yep. Um, that's a person that claims to love Christ but has very little character. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the idea almost of, you know, that's a problem with, with lots of pulpits today. Um, they, they, they have, they want to either protect doctrine or they want to, that's, that's the idea in in bully pulpit. What was, which is what we're kind of reading right now. Reading through. Well, and that's like, like, like Platt's book, um, radical Christianity. I understand why it was so popular Mm. because it's this like, Oh, look at how big we could all like, Oh, and this like Mm -hmm. the idea of this like big, flashy like revolution and taking the world by storm for more people to love Jesus. I mean, it's like, you're like, it's the kind of thing. It's the kind of vision that like is inspiring, right? It's, it is the, it is the brave heart of Christianity, right? Right. Like there, there are some movies that you watch and when you're done, you're inspired gladiator, Braveheart, sea biscuit. Like, by the way, I love sea biscuit <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Uh, little, little unknown fact there. Right. So these things are like, you watch them and you're like, yeah, like the little guy can like come together and like, we can, we can take on the big guy. And so you, you put that in Christianity, like, oh, we can take the world by storm and people can be believers if we just live this radical life. But then Michael Horton writes a book and he's like normal Christianity. Yeah. And, and the, the funny part is like, Horton's book is the better approach, which is actually pretty radical. <laughs> it, it is super radical because everyone wants to be radical. That being normal is radical now. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what, that's what my argument has been that you live in a culture that, that misdefines love that, that says pursue happiness. Right. And that, that, that pursuing of happiness feeds into our discussion here. Right. It's that it would be a part of the Venn diagram of what role is the pursuing happiness and pursuing your dreams. Is that influencing us? And I would argue yes. And I would argue Platt's book. And I, and by the way, I'm not saying Platt's wrong in anything you said in the book. I'm just saying that I think that vision maybe is a little bit integrated. And I, again, I want to be careful. I'm not trying to accuse Platt of wrong motives. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in our criticism, like they can be perceived. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. Like there is a part of me that, that agrees with Platt that Christianity is radical, but I think it's radical in an, in an ordinary way. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what you were saying. Yes. Yeah. That 
when I love somebody and that love is, is, is informed by scripture, it is radical to this, the way this world loves because this world loves in a way that's like, Hey, we are going to love each other until you step outside of the social norms. And then if you don't see it as Columbus day, like unless you see it as indigenous people's day, you know, the second you say happy Columbus day, now you're outside of the circle and you don't deserve my love. Whereas a Christian's like, yeah, I'm going to love you because you're a human being and I know you sin, but I want you to know Christ. So mm-hmm. this is, this is, there's a difference, right? And one's kind of ordinary and boring. And I do think a lot of young people are drawn to flashy. Yeah. Yeah. I was. And, and to be fair, like I'm, I'm sure Platt was making a point. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm sure if you were to sit down here speaking with us, He's, he would say that that is a point I was trying to make, but it's not the whole point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I could be wrong, but I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but right, because we are, we are. I mean, Christianity itself is radical, um, but it's also radical in the most mundane and normal spaces. And not everyone is called to be a Paul or a Peter. You know, five thousand yeah. get saved. Um, man, like you're called and, to raise godly children and, and yeah, make wise decisions every day. Like you know, um, it it all works together. We're all gifted to work together. Yeah. So. Well, and that that's like to be fair, God is the right. God is the one moving in the world. Yep. And I I think sometimes we because of the way we live, because you don't see that in the headlines, you you do like I do think again. There's there's something attractive that actually diverts our attention by getting sucked into the headlines. And we, we forget actually God is already doing these crazy, these amazing, crazy things. You're just not going to see them mm-hmm. the way you want to see, you know, That's I don't true. know. So all that to say, what we're talking about is making a decision. How do I know it's God's will? Um, you know, pursuing happiness. Actually, scripture doesn't say pursue happiness. It says there's joy in the Lord. And uh, Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, he brings up a good point, right? He's like, if I would have asked my grandpa, grandpa, does your job, are you satisfied with your job? Does your job make you happy? He probably, this is Truman saying, he probably would have looked at me and been like, what on earth kind of question is that? Like, that's a crazy question. And Truman's point is that, hey, somewhere along the way, we changed the narrative of what we're looking for in a job. And it went because Truman's like, my grandpa probably would have said, I have a great job. It provides for my family. And I love that I can provide for my family. Whereas now people are like, well, I don't feel satisfied with my work. Well, and actually Ecclesiastes agrees with Truman's grandpa more than it does the modern culture. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily for the Lord and trust God with the provision that he gives you from it. Like, thank God for that. Right. So you and I are not doing a more godly work than the guy that's working in the sewers this week who loves the Lord, who's working for the city. Like, you know what I mean? Like ours is more noticeable to the church and yes, it's a high calling. But again, to say that the guy in the city, like that guy that's working for the city down in the sewers, he can reach people. We can't reach. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's the thing I was trying to like let people know, like, what people come to us for are the really hard issues that they don't feel comfortable telling another person. Mm -hmm. However, people find out we're pastors and they will shut down 
and they will not have conversations with us that they can have with, with people that don't have that title. Mm. And that, you know what I mean? That's why, again, trust God that. So anyway, all this. Well, no, it makes sense because I think because in Truman's book, ultimately it comes down to identity and people are finding, trying to find, you know, identity in, in work. Yes. In reality, our identity is in, in, in God, in Christ. Yes. We were made in the image of God. We are God's creatures and work equals food. And I mean, even in Genesis, so you got to toil and work if you want to eat, right? Um, and it just kind of reminds me of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where like human beings have these base needs and then kind of, you know, uh, starts to, to, to go up this pyramid into the self-actualization and transcendence, which, you know, are... Our, our previous generations were just trying to survive. And now it's like, you know, America's so rich and wealthy. It's not hard to, I mean, it's not hard to put food on the table. They yeah. just, just go out and find a job and work and you'll have food on the table. Yeah. yeah especially um, in this, in this day, in yeah. this time right now, you can find a job. You roll over and find a job. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, people, people realize that and like, they have what they need what they think they need which is food and so now they're just like no i need i need more i need to find my identity in my job yeah and that's the wrong place to find it it is yeah we've i I know we've talked a lot about that but so coming back to god's will the problem with emotions is that they can be wrongfully informed yep so if i say oh but this decision makes me happy or and i don't feel any angst again right like um well, I'm going on this date with this other woman because I don't like, because I'm mad at my wife and I don't, I just don't feel any angst against it. Well, again, like you can be wrong. Yep. You know, and you are wrong clearly in that way. Mm -hmm. You're clearly wrong. So how do I know it's a, it's a right decision. Now let's, let's use less of a nefarious example, right? Like, um, I'm going to go uh, to seminary. I want to go to seminary. And um, God has given me a grant Mm -hmm. through the U.S. government because of my work for the government. So, okay, I have an opportunity. I have financial means to do it. So this is a good thing. Let's go do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel at peace about it. And again, it's the work of the Lord and it's the livelihood of the Lord. You know, it's, it's working. Your livelihood is, is working with the Lord. You're preaching the word, right? You're going to go learn how to preach. You're going to go learn how to do all these things, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and again, like, Hey, this is, this is it. Right. So that, right. Who would say pursuing seminary is a sinful thing. However, What's your wife think? Yeah. You know, what if you're a horrible dad and your kids are the most disobedient kids in the world? And, you know, we, we were talking about this yesterday at men's, right? Guy comes home from work, opens his Bible, reads five hours every night, doesn't talk to his wife and kids, goes to bed. Kids come up and say, dad, would you quit reading your Bible? Are you telling me to not do this godly thing? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel at peace reading my Bible this much. Well, the problem with that is, right, in isolation, if you came and said, hey, is reading your Bible a good thing? 
what believer is going to say, no, it's not, it's not a good thing. Every believer is going to go, yeah, that's a good thing. And I, and I'm praying to God while I'm reading again, every believer is going to be like, that's a good thing. The problem is what that you're abrogating other responsibilities to do it. So is it God's will that you come home from work and read your Bible five hours a night and avoid your wife and kids? And the answer to that is no, it's not God's will. Mm-hmm. So you got, there's gotta be some kind of rubric to think through this. And so here, here's my rubric and I'll, I'll just give the overview now and then we can dig into these and, and Gina's, if yours is different, that's, that's fine. Like, I, I think it's helpful. My guess is if yours is different, you have the same components. Yes. Okay. So mine is one, is it a preference or truth issue? Um, and I, and I even break that down a little bit. Um, is it some of the breakdown into that? Is it diverting me from my responsibilities? Um, what does scripture say is number two, number three, what do others say? And number three, by the way, I think is the missing link in, in especially young people. Number four, have you prayed about it? Number five, take the heart test. Would I be okay? Not getting what I want. And number six, make a decision. I like it. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So number one, preference or truth issue. This is, this is important, right? Like again, is it God's will? I, I, I watch pornography. Well, scripture is pretty clear. Nope. This is a truth issue. No, that there's no justification. Okay. However, like going to seminary, kind of a truth issue, but also kind of a desire issue. Um, is it going to divert me away from my other responsibilities? Right. If I can't handle having a relationship with my wife and kids and work, then probably I'm not able, I'm not ready yet to go to seminary. Yep. If I can't balance those out so that I can be faithful and, and do, do my job in all of those areas, then I'm probably not ready. And, and to be fair, right. Sometimes there's there's going to be seasons where you're just going to have to look at your family and say, unfortunately, this season is just a busy season. So dad's going to be gone away at work 100 hours this week. But that shouldn't be true. to That shouldn't be the normal. Yeah. What about a single guy who wants to go to seminary? Yeah. Young. Again, like, want to go to seminary, um, right? So it's kind of a preference issue, even though even though it's a good thing. Is it going to take you away from your responsibilities? You know, let's say you've got an older parent that you got to that you got to take care of. Well, maybe going to seminary is not helpful, right? You know, okay. And then if you go to seminary, how are you going to handle seminary and maintain your responsibilities? Right, because you can't you can't go to seminary and ditch the church. You can't go to seminary and not work. You can't go to seminary. You know what I mean? You can't go to seminary and, and abrogate what family you do have. Like you still have responsibilities as a human being in school. And I, and we do see, you do see this sometimes in college students. They, they will, well, I'm getting my education. I get that you're getting your education. However, does God want you to give up your responsibility to the church because you're at university life? And the answer to that is no, he doesn't. You know, so, and it, this is where it kind of coordinates with number two. What is, what does scripture say? So I, I wrote an article on uh, parking space 23 that I would share yearly. And since we took the website down, there's the, the article's not up. Uh, and I would always bring up like, yes, it's okay that your kid wants to go to college. However, 
you're while you're marching around looking around the world for what college your kids going to go to does that college have a church right oh but my kid can get into harvard okay but what if there's not a what if there's not a church with an easy travel of your of your kid yeah i sent my kid to harvard there's no good churches within 150 miles okay here's the next four years of your life, abrogate all of your church responsibilities so that you can have a Harvard degree. You're not going to walk out of that Harvard degree a more mature believer. Mm-hmm. And like, again, hey, Lord, is it okay that I give up these responsibilities? I, I don't Nowhere in Scripture does it, is it, not, there's not a proverb, there's not a situation where it's like, well, but you're in school. So abrogate these. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, but what about my grades? Look, when, when you go, 99% of us, companies are looking for, do you have the degree or not? They're not looking at your resume. And I actually was even on a college board where we hired the student advisor. And um, when we were going through all the applications, there were a lot of transcripts. Nobody, nobody in that room looked at any of the transcripts. Nobody cared what classes they took. Nobody cared what grades they got. It was simply... Do they, do they have the education? Yes. Check off. Now, what are the other things about this person? Like God is sovereign over our situation. And so, oh, I made a B in class. You know what? I'd have rather made straight B's and honored the Lord with, with my church family and with my family and with a job than I would these other things. Um, sometimes with young people, you know, I grew up in a situation where all of my friends didn't have to work as much as I did when I was 18 to 21. And so they had opportunities to go hang out and party more. And I'm, but by party, I don't mean like get drunk and I mean, just hang out more and fellowship more and do those things. And you can kind of look, you know, some kids will get, will resent their parents for that. Well, why didn't I get all those opportunities? Well, but the reality is, man, the things that God taught you by being faithful to these responsibilities probably is going to pay off in the longer run better than, Hey, they had all the free time in the world to just hang out with their friends. Hmm. Now, again, I'm kind of making a sweeping statement, so yeah, there's always there's always an exception to those rules, right? But but the point being that, like God God does say, listen, be a part of the church, be plugged in. So whether whether I'm a college university student, a high school student, post grad school, like be involved. You know, and be involved as best as you can. And, and it's going to, to be honest, it's going to also, or to be fair, it's going to look different, right? It with, will look with different. With every person. Yeah. Like there's a different, there might be a different level of, you know, availability. Yeah. Um, but you're still plugged in. Yeah. Somehow, some way. Yeah. Um, I and, think a, a difficult case might be military because sometimes they don't, they have to go, they have to leave and they well, don't get to be in, yeah. you know. My article even, and my article even addressed that. Like, hey, if you're, if you are not, a spiritually mature person don't go into the military mm-hmm. like like don't like god does not want you to go into the military mm-hmm. if you are if you do not have firm convictions about who he is because there are going to be times where you're stationed somewhere and the chaplain you know not not all chaplains are created equal and and i wish the u.s government was like no we only want chaplains that are shepherd-hearted expositors who, who view God's word as authoritative. But because of the separation of church and state and the laws, the U.S. government can't do that. 
So th- though there are some great chaplains in this world, um, and we've known some, that doesn't you you may end up at a base where the chaplain's got six transgender people leading worship, and when it comes time to the sermon, walks up with chicken soup for the soul and opens chicken soup for the soul, and regurgitates a story, and you leave and you're like, man, I like I was God even did we even mention Jesus once? Like mm-hmm. sin wasn't mentioned, you know? And so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. You, you just don't, like, you're going to need at that point, where are your convictions? Yep. And so, yeah, you've, you got to find a way to be faithful. So yeah, you're, and, and again, I'm not saying military is wrong, but I'm also saying it's not right for everybody. Yep. Some people need, some people should not go into the military. And, and again, you live in a culture where if you do go in the military, there's a, there is a pocket of Americans that will exalt you for your military experience. And you can't let that persuade you into the military. Mm. Right. Is this, is this where God wants me to be? Again, it's an okay decision. Is it a preference or truth? What does scripture say? Scripture doesn't condemn going into the military. It also doesn't condone it. It doesn't say it's a top five thing you should do. So number three is where things get really big. Cause I've, I've kind of combined one and two together. Right. Right. Is it a preference of truth? What does scripture say? Is it diverting me from my responsibilities? Okay. And number three to me is the big one. How do I know God, God wants me to do this? And the answer to that is what do other people say? Right. Yep. So if Isaac came to me and said, dad, I want to go in the military. Like I would say, okay, you need to pick Chris's brain. You need to pick some of these other military guys brain. You, you need to let the elders vet you and see if this is a good fit for you. Um, before I came, you know, uh, to seminary, I wanted to make sure other people thought it was a good idea that I come to seminary. So those other people all thought it was a good idea that I came to seminary. Well, those were the godliest people that I knew at the time. And so I said, okay, Lord, you, you are, my desire is one meeting scripture Two, it is meeting these other men. And these other men are saying yes. Before we came to to Vegas, right? Uh, I can name I can name five different men that all said you should do it. And that to me was super helpful because if you can't get um, if you can't get another godly person to say yes to you, then it may not be a good idea for you to come to seminary. And that's different in finding people who would say yes, right? You're you're looking for unbiased people who are mature that can actually help you navigate this. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, I mean, that's the huge one, right? Because how many times does somebody, um, um, well, I went online and I found this other person that agreed with me. I, I have friends that will say yes to whatever I want in my life. They're not, they're actually not good friends. And then I have friends that'll tell me you're wrong. And those are my good friends. So you, you, you know, again, cause somebody will hear this and be like, well, I saw it out. You know, Jennifer told me and she's just like the best cheerleader friend I have in my life. And you're like, was well, Jennifer ever told you no, or ever said it's an unwise idea? Well, no. So maybe Jennifer shouldn't be, by the way, there were no Jennifer's actually thought of in this conversation. <laughs> Okay. But um, 
So, and actually, this is this Kevin DeYoung makes this point as well. Um, those who are wise read and memorize scripture. They love to hear it read, preached, and sung. But the wise also know you need to read the Bible in community. You need to listen to what other Bible-reading Christians say. If we want to make a wise decision, we must seek advice and counsel from others. If we want to make a wise decisions, if we want to make wise decisions, we must seek advice and counsel from others. I'm going to reemphasize that. If we want to make wise decisions, we must. That word was placed there on purpose. Seek advice and counsel from others. This is especially true when dealing with non-ethical choices or decisions that aren't clearly laid out in Scripture. It's not that we always listen to the majority in everything or that the decisions we will make will always please everyone or that every friend in your circle must be consulted before making a decision. But when God's Word doesn't speak decisively or when the matter facing us isn't even considered in Scripture, it is wise to listen to other Christians. Consider these words from Proverbs. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Proverbs 1.5. 12.15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 15.22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. 19.20. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. One of the virtues I appreciate most in others, and it's a virtue I hope I can have in some measure, is teachability. Are you willing to change your mind when another person's case has more merit than yours? Are you able to hear good advice when it comes from some mouth other than your own and may even contradict your preconceived ideas? Are you willing to admit, I didn't think of that, or I see your point? If no one has ever heard you change your mind about something, then you are either a god or you have mistaken yourself for one. (laughs) Wow. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, I can say without a doubt, that I make better decisions when I consult with my wife. I make better decisions when the, with the elders rather than without them. I am wiser when I listen to my friends first. I, I cannot tell you enough. Yeah. That is, I know God's will more from that than I do from how I feel or peace. Yeah. I feel peaceful. Well, you, you again, you may be dead wrong, and it may even be a non-ethical decision. Yep. Yep. That's actually, a, 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 I would say, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, because you can go to God's word, but like if you, if there are more mature people than you who know God's word better, God's word better. Yeah. Um, then you need to go to them because you're probably, you can be reading the scripture and misunderstanding what you're reading or like not thinking about it rightly or not having a comprehensive understanding about it. Yeah. There's so much to learn in the scriptures and, um, mature guys who, uh, and women, by the way, um, mature men and women who understand um, God's will are those who understand the scriptures. Yeah. And, it, you know, you think about this. Um, sometimes my desires are so hungry. And again, for something not bad, not sinful, but we're not talking about lust here. But my desires are so strong that I want it so bad that I'm willing to overlook I'm willing to avoid and ignore every roadblock and warning sign. And man, I can emphasize the three good things and completely ignore the 25 bad things. And it's good to have somebody who objectively can look in and say, brother, there are 25 reasons why you shouldn't do this. And the three that are there, though they may be good, now is not a good time for you to pursue those three things. Right? And you think about, right, marriages, 
right? Yes, we know you're excited about this person. Yes, we know there's a there is a an emotional attraction. We know that you're all you have these butterflies. However, this person here's six reasons why it's not good right now maybe for you to get married to this person. You know. And and again, like God is gracious and we have seen him um be more than gracious through people's unwise decisions and I'm not just talking about marriage. But but you still want to be smart in your approach here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so right before I came to, before I came to Vegas again, like five, six, you were one of them. Uh, I, I wouldn't have come had you said, I don't think you'd be a good fit there. I, I would have definitely never, I would have just been like, yeah, okay, I'm going somewhere else. Gus Padal was one Stan Tang. Like these guys were like, and a couple others, but these guys were like, those were the people closest to me that were like, you should do this. Mm-hmm. And that was important to me because you guys would have told me no had I needed to hear no. And the fact that it wasn't told was like, okay, that's helpful to me because uh, one of the people too is Kyla. Like, Kyla, do you want to live in Vegas? If she was like, no, then we're not going. And mm-hmm. her voice was more important. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the reason why we never considered missions is because she didn't want to be, she didn't want to live overseas. Okay. In God's will, we didn't want to live overseas. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys still get a little upset with me when I say, if Kyla came to me and said, I want you to change jobs, I would change jobs. And now, now what some guys hear is she would say that in 30 seconds later, I would resign. That's right. not what I'm saying. Like there would still be some kind of a, like, can I understand you? Can I understand what's going on? Like, yeah. Right. Um, maybe I'm sinning somehow. And in her mind, that's the solution. And now I'm confronted with it and able to repent and, and restore and, and take care of that problem. You know what I mean? It's not a disqualifying issue. And so maybe, you know what I mean? Like it, that conversation doesn't just mean need your go do it. But, but at the end of the, if, if at the end of all of that kind of like, I just would prefer you to have a nine to five weekends off. We go to church. Like we hang out with the church once or twice in the middle of the week. I'm tired of your sporadic work weeks, you know, um, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay then then I'll change jobs because again like God put her in my life to help me make right to walk with and so mm-hmm. she's a valuable voice to that just like if I came to her and said I want you done at the flower shop and we talked through it she would she would go quit she'd go resign mm-hmm. she'd go say no nah, you know what this isn't good for our family anymore so we're I'm going to move on right yeah so yeah, yeah. uh your what what does your spouse think what do godly people think I would especially say that's one of the the beauties of having elders is we can we can kind of help from the outside in objectively, right? Because we're gonna and we're gonna show you scripture. Hey, here's what God says. Here's God's here's the responsibilities they have. Here's God's will. And again, it may not be flashy, but it's probably gonna be better for you. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's such a big, big, big deal. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm thankful for, uh, for for godly wisdom around me. Um, you know, it's it's. For me, like making decisions, I, I and I'm I'm one who, you know, often sits on decisions, and it could be a good thing or a bad thing. Because, uh, but for the most part, I think just just putting the brakes on and thinking through things, asking questions never hurts in the long run. No, yeah, and honestly, ninety nine percent of the things we're deciding, you know, I mean, there's one. What do you want for lunch? I'm not calling you guys asking if we should have uh, Chick fil A or In and Out today for lunch, right? Like I. Like some things you're like, yeah, okay. I mean, do you got the budget for it? Yes. Does the family want it? Yes. Okay, let's go. Right. 
you know, and some some of the guys are gonna be like, oh, he said he went to Chick Fil A or In and Out. Yeah, I still eat at those places. <laughs> um, you know, because for the price, like I've got so much Chick Fil A points that right now I'm not paying full price, so it's great. What? There's such a thing? Oh yeah, uh, no, you got to get that app. Yeah, I haven't I haven't paid full price for a spicy chicken sandwich in a couple of visits, so. <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, yeah, and then the In and Out is still cheaper than the Habit. But when we want good uh, a good burger, we go to we go to Habit. That's I mean, correct. In and Out's a good, but when we want a better burger, anyway. correct. So all that say right, like we, like some of those things we don't need to do. But man, for like marrying somebody, I would say I definitely want somebody's counsel on marriage. Yep, I definitely want somebody else's counsel on before I take a job. I definitely want to make sure before I up and move my family to a different part of the country. I definitely want some advice on, is this good for us? Right. Is because again, sometimes, you know what? Um, well, I want to flee this job because the boss is blah, blah, blah. Well, it actually may be good for you to stay there. Right. And, and it's hard. And sometimes, right. We get kind of locked in our little, we get isolated in our little lane and, and the lane, right. We, we just, we get tunnel vision and we don't realize. So it's helpful to talk to somebody who can kind of look at it a little more objectively and say, Hey, there's some tunnel vision. You're missing these three or four things. This might be a good reason why God has you here. You know, maybe think about, maybe think about just doubling down and being faithful in this way and see what happens. Because again, if it's easy, it's the way, (laughs) no, like it's not always easy. So, um, anyway, um, Pray about it. I do think you're right. You need to pray about it. Uh, I do think you need to ask the heart test. Would I be okay not getting what I want? And if the answer is no, then you need to ask why. No, I really want it. Well, why? What is it? What is it that you want? Right? Is is this is this bigger than Jesus Christ? Like, if Christ is Lord, and He is, and the things He, he the things He does and says are good. Right. Even sometimes in non-ethical preference issues, sometimes I need to just be like, you know what? I'm okay. You know, some people don't know this. I randomly, um, don't drink coffee just so, just so I know I can don't, I don't, I don't have to drink coffee. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I might, uh, randomly be like today, I'm just not going to have coffee and that's okay because what? No headaches. That's a good test for me. I don't ever want to be in a position where my body's like, Oh, you know, so, and then number six, make a decision. Uh, at some point, you got to make a decision. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I mean, it seems obvious to put. Uh, yeah, of course you make a decision, but but if you front load that, right? That's, that's the where problem. the yeah people. Oh, make a decision without going through any of these steps is yeah. the worst thing you could probably do. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like university trains you. Okay, get a thesis. Defend your thesis. Well, sometimes people make a decision and then defend their decision. Mm. And I, I have, I, I can always tell the difference when somebody who's calling me to, to justify their decision to me. And it's interesting because I can even think back to some of those conversations and then I've heard what they heard from me. And I'm like, wow, you heard 10% of what I said and you ignored 90% of what I definitely know I said to you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? Because you weren't looking for, you already knew what you wanted and you tuned out what, what wasn't good for your decision while grabbing a hold. So, right. So they made big 
the little things I said and ignored the big things I said. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's crazy. Yep, it happens. But that's what the heart does. That's that's why you need counsel. So anyway. Those yeah. are my those are my steps. I think it's it's kinda I yeah, again, I don't really think through this, but maybe that's too because I don't really feel like I don't really have any big decisions. You know, like I got married and Kyla took all the big decisions. No, I took all the big decisions. She took all the little ones. So, so far she hasn't told me there's a big decision. Huh. Question though. That was a joke, by the way. Oh, I missed it. What? So I got married and Kyla and I agreed. I'll take all the big decisions. She takes all the little ones. Oh, okay. But so far she hasn't told me of a big decision I need to make. (laughs) Okay. But that was kind of a joke. I will say though there was a there was a uh, this guy got out of seminary and um, he was a farmer and uh, one day he says God what's what's your will and he looks up in the clouds and he sees PC so he goes in to his wife and he sells the farm and they go to seminary because PC was preach Christ. So, right, so, okay, so goes through seminary, gets out, starts, you know, going and visiting churches, starts preaching God's word, and everybody's just falling asleep. Like Nobody can stay awake. And finally, after his third church visit, this deacon walks up to him and says, well, that was, yeah, so, so tell me about your calling again. He says, yeah, I was out in the field one day. I said, God, what's your will for me? And uh, I looked up, and I saw the clouds, and I saw PC. And the guy says, oh, yeah, plant corn. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, See, good. that one I understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I could. Well, the other one is, is a joke. <laughs> that's that for sm- the other joke is for smart people. <laughs> no, it's it, it, part of it is my delivery. But okay. it's, um, yeah, yeah. I've heard that so many times in marriage, like, uh-huh. You know, you go to these weddings and you you're sitting around the table with the older people, and oh, okay. some guy will be like, "Oh, why, why, and And he's See, it's his little one liner. You got to do with the accents. Yes. Well, I know I've heard some other ones that are that are kind of I've I've heard a lot of funny <laughs> marriage jokes at at weddings. Right. Yeah, it's hmm. been interesting. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my thing. Preference is it a preference or truth issue? What does scripture say? What do others say? Pray about it. Heart test. Make a decision. Yeah, I, I think my only question. What does prayer look like when you're making decision? Is it like God, give me a sign, or like because we talked a little bit about it? But what are we, what are we asking God? Yeah, I would I would say, Lord, um, one, help me to submit my life to you. Two, help me to understand your word. Three, um, help these other people um, who are helping me have wisdom and discernment. And four, thank you for the freedom in making decisions. Because honestly, 99% of what we're picking is very free. Yeah. Like it's, again, because we're not talking about, most of the time we're not talking about evil, obvious evil versus obvious good. And that's very helpful, by the way, because, um, you know, some prayer lives might look like, Lord, I have decision A or decision B. But Lord, please make it be decision A. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. That's what prayer life looks like. Yeah. Rather yeah. than like, Lord, help me make a godly decision help me yeah. honor your you know honor your name right yeah. um and and help me understand and keep my mind clear so i can you know understand what my responsibilities are and i don't neglect them 
Yeah. I I think, too, part of this, and maybe this is why it's an issue for me anymore, is Kevin DeYoung does make the point, and I know there's some other books out there on God's will that make this similar point. Uh, J. Max, found in God's will, makes the same point, that um, we are we are actually... God's will for us is is more in how we walk than what would decisions we make. Right. And so I would argue Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's God's will. Mm-hmm. God's will is is that you know him, that you conform your thinking to his, and that you submit your soul to him and follow him. Yeah. That's God's will. So I actually think the when people kind of me like, is it God's will? In my mind, it's actually more important how you walk than what 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 door you picked. That's good. Yeah. Because yeah. again, I, I really don't remember last time I had a conversation with, well, is it God's will that I that I get a girlfriend? Or is it God's will that I stick with my wife? Like you know what I mean? Like I like that this, these are conversations mm-hmm. that that we that we use to like to talk about these things, but they, these are not reality. Yeah. It's like we were in teaching and forgiveness. It always comes up. What about an abuse case? And it's like, yeah, but 99.9% of the time we are not talking about abuse. We're talking about you and your spouse or you and some other person having, having what you later call a silly argument that at the time wasn't silly. Like that's 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. we like to run to these really extreme circumstances yeah. and that's helpful. I I think one way I've heard it also is also is that like you know, um, choose what you like. Yeah, choose choose what you like. There's a freedom of 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 like choosing your preference, and it's it's glorious. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, if you like In and Out, go to In and Out. Yeah. Right. Um. If you like Seven Eleven. Gosh, we feel bad for you, I but just, I do feel bad. For <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, you like it. That's great. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but but behind all those decisions, we have preferences behind those. You know, we, we, you know, in the coffee specialty coffee realm, even within the specialty coffee realm, I might like an Africa because I just like the floral notes better. Yep. Over like you know earthy Sumatra or something. Oh yeah, yeah. And I don't know why people would like that, but that's fine. No, I agreed. <laughs> it's yeah. Agreed. It's preference and yeah. Have a hobby. Enjoy your hobby. You know, love your kids, love your family, love your wife. And the reality is you got to love your wife the rest of your life. You, you got to love your kids, but your kids may go. They, mm-hmm. they are going to go. They should go. And your, your relationship with your kids is going to change, which is why you got to, you know, you got to make sure that you invest in that responsibility and love your wife, love your, love your husband. Uh, I do know that's God's will. God's will is, is that you also be right to know God, to conform your thinking is um, to walk in a manner worthy gospel. And again, these are not flashy. They're kind of boring. Um, and be faithful to your responsibilities. You have responsibilities to the church. These, by the way, these are not in, in, in orders of priority. You have responsibilities to your spouse um, your responsibility is your kids change and fluctuate over time. Your your responsibility to your spouse may change as you get older and and more physical, or if there's some kind of you're talking about what they look like, like what your responsibility. Yeah, so um, the amount of physical responsibilities I have to a two year old is vastly different than the physical responsibilities I have to a sixteen year old. Mm-hmm. Um, however, those responsibilities shift, and then when my kids 
move out of the house and maybe get married, I, it, I'm not done being their dad, but at the same token, some of my responsibilities are done. Like it's their job to put a roof over their head. It's mm-hmm. not my job anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's their job to do different things. It's not my job. And so, you know what I mean? Like yeah. at some level, those responsibilities are going to shift and fluctuate. But at the root are still these principles, right? That I'm still to love them. I, I'm still going to serve them. Um, I'm going to spoil their grandkids. <laughs> uh, I know that's God's will. I've gone, th- I've run through this. I've talked to <laughs> other grandparents. Scripture doesn't say I can't. So, um, you know, Kyle and I are practicing now to be a grandparent. If you let your kids near us at church and there's cookies and they want them, we are just going to say yes. <laughs> Cause it's more fun to spoil other people's kids. So we've made that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we've run through the grid of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jana uh, loved it. Oh, Jana. Yeah. <laughs> But she Definitely does good. You know does. that she'll say, daddy says no. And I'm like, okay, then, then don't do it. So she's did. She, that's, look at the she, Janice. Like she told me no last time I tried to get her cookie. She was like, no, daddy said no. It's like, okay, yeah. good, good girl. Usually mommy says no, but yeah, no, she was, she had said, daddy said no. So good girl. Yeah, it was good. You should reward her with a cookie today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would encourage, Reading, reading this Kevin DeYoung book again. You can read it in an hour and a half if you're a slow reader. Forty five minutes if you're fast. Twenty minutes if you're super fast. You know, you, you need to just what you need to do is go through all these favorite books and just give us the uh, the dummy version. Uh, you know, just actually that's not a bad idea. I think I want to start doing what I did in seminary and just you know, uh, one assignment was like just uh, you know pick your five. 10 best sentences in every chapter. It's all you really need. That's true. That's <laughs> actually a good point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else we need to talk about with God's will? Um, probably, but I think we've exhausted what, yeah. at least my brain's ex- exhausted everything it has thought of. Yeah. My, yeah. My brain's done right now. Yeah. I'm ready so. for tacos. It's Wednesday. Ooh. Yeah. I'm actually thinking I'm going to take the rest of the day off. Nice. Yeah. It's good. All right. Well, thank you guys. Hopefully it's helpful. And uh, again, if there's questions, comments, or cries of outrage, uh, feel free to reach out to Ramil. There you go. All right. Later on. Mm-hmm.